Hey, what's up, guys? It's Rico here, CEO of SourceFind Asia, co-host of the in China podcast and the host of the SourceFind Asia YouTube channel, of course. In this video, this is something that happened to us uh, a little bit over a couple of years ago. We had a client from Kenya that reached out to us and they wanted to source a plastic injection molding machine. So the actual machine that you would insert a mold into that, that then creates the product that you're looking for. And they were trying to create a, a helmet factory in Kenya. So that was an interesting process because I've sourced plastic injection molding factories, but I never thought I'd be actually sourcing the actual machine to create a factory. So that was a very interesting thing. So in this part one, I'm going to be talking about the actual process that we went through in terms of going to northern China and southern China and the differences between the factories there. And then in the next video, I will actually talk about what it takes to actually open up a factory and, and the costs. And it'll be a little bit more of a deep dive into that. So without further ado, let me jump into it. I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. To start, I mean, this is this is going to be a story. It's going to be a long-form video. So, if you're not interested in, in stories, then you should probably check out another video. But basically, this client was uh, somebody that reached out to me, I think, a year prior to this, and he had, you know, we had had a consulting call, and he shot around a few ideas. Nothing really came to fruition, and then he reached out to me. And at the time, just to provide some context, this was about. I want to say it was about three weeks or four weeks, maybe a month before Chinese New Year. And we had just started working with another client, Rep Fitness, and part of my obligations with that project was that I had to spend a certain amount of time in Northern China. And it was just the beginning of the project. So before Chinese New Year, I had to go there and to make sure that the shipments went out smoothly. I had to go there and spend about a week in Nantong. So I engage with him. I'm about to go to Nantong. He mentions that they're interested in buying some plastic injection molding machines and they want to open up the factory. We start going back and forth via email. It didn't seem like it was going anywhere, to be honest. So I, I was, you know, I was kind of making my plans. I booked tickets to come to the Philippines. It was the first time I was going to spend a month in Manila. It was my second time coming to the Philippines. So I was, I was booked. I was going to go for this trip to Nantong, and essentially directly from Nantong, I was going to, I was going to leave China. So I booked all my tickets. I planned all my Nantong stuff. So now I'm in Nantong. I get an email from him saying, "Hey, you know, we need a proposal from you guys. Like, we want to come to China before Chinese New Year." We're trying to do this helmet thing. We want you to take us around and show us some helmet factories and show us some plastic injection machinery factories. And I, you know, this is a month before Chinese New Year, so the factories are already super busy. A lot of factories are going to start shutting down within the next one or two weeks. So I told them, I was like, I don't think it's realistic for you guys to come down. And I've already booked my tickets. I'm leaving the country. So if you want to come, go around to some factories with one of my employees, that's fine. And then he came back and said, well. No, we really want you to be there. We, you know, we're coming because of your expertise and all that stuff. So I'm going. Oh, all right, then uh, you're gonna have to pay me, man. Because for me, my time is is like if I'm gonna spend essentially what ended up being five days. If I'm gonna spend five days full time with a client, visiting factories, and it's not something that I do as much anymore, especially if it's a client that we're not actually working with currently. So you know, I had to charge them a significant amount of money for their research because we had to put all hands on deck. For research, and then I was also physically going to be there, and on top of that, we had to organize four people traveling into China. I think they initially went 
to Guangzhou and then they had to fly up to Ningbo, which is where we ended up going. And then from Ningbo, you know, we organizing hotels, transportation, all that stuff. And then coming down to Guangdong province, and then we're going to three different, two or three different cities in Guangdong uh, to visit different factories. So like we had to charge them for my time and Imogen's time, and then charge them for the organization and then charge them for the actual sourcing. And because again, it was a rush situation, I already booked my tickets and I was already planning on leaving the country. I couldn't get a refund on my tickets and stuff. So uh, yeah, that's that was sort of the initial thing. So I sent them a proposal. They accepted it some more back and forth and I keep telling them, hey guys, we don't have that much time. It's Chinese New Year, like factories are going to start shutting down. Like if you guys don't make a decision and come in the next week, we need to push this back to after the holiday. So they ended up finally making a decision. It was very, very last minute. They were actually, I think, already on a plane when they sent me the deposit. I'm in Nantong. I'm on my like last day and I'm trying to decide whether I'm going to go to Ningbo or if I'm going to fly or go to Shanghai and fly to, to the Philippines. So they sent me a, a screenshot of the, the wire transfer. And then now I have to go from Nantong to Ningbo. I stayed luckily that, that night. I was with my client from Rapidness, the founder, and we ended up staying in the Intercontinental, which was super cool. I had a very nice time at, the, at that hotel. Yeah, that robot freaked me out. Um, <laughs> because I was like, nothing was controlling this robot. I was like, this is an I literally just watched an episode of Black Mirror where they had a robot that looked almost identical to that thing. So now the next morning, I, I feel like it was like three or four o'clock in the morning. I had to go and take this bus to Ningbo from Nantong. And it was not supposed to be a very long bus ride. I think it was supposed to be like three, four hours. It ended up being like six. And uh, yeah, that wasn't, <laughs> wasn't a fun experience because those are the moments where my Chinese gets tested to its absolute limit because I can read Chinese, I can read some characters, but you know everything is in Chinese. The, the, the screen is in Chinese, the, you know, everybody speaks on the bus, nobody speaks English. So you're really having to like be on your toes and make sure you don't miss your stop. And then if you're expecting this bus trip to be three, four hours and it's five, six hours, you're like, okay, am I, did I miss my thing? So that was, that was a whole other experience in and of itself. So I ended up arriving a little bit late on the first day. They had already been to one of the other factories. We visited three factories over the course of two, two, three days. The main factory we went to was Ningbo M. These guys also had a mold factory partner. Ningbo M itself is one of the largest plastic injection molding machine factories in Northern China. It was really crazy because you're, you're walking around this warehouse with this giant machinery everywhere and you're thinking to yourself, so these are the machines that create like car parts or, you know, like machines that create other injection molding machines. It's, it's kind of weird to think of it. Like you have the mold that creates the product, but then you have the machine that creates the mold. It was, <laughs> it was kind of a trippy thing, you know? So that was an interesting experience just going through that machinery. Some of the first things that I noticed was just when it comes to injection molding machines, they basically look the same. It's just about size and, and scale and depending on what product you're making. And you'll be surprised at how big the machine has to be for something as small as a plastic helmet. And it's really important, I think, to note that like the process when you're buying injection molding machines is when you buy the machine, there's the installation of it, there's the actual cost of it. Some of the things that we had to ask, and I'll dive, more, I'll dive deeper into this when I talk about what it takes to open a plastic injection molded factory. But some of the things that you had to figure out is what is the production capacity of these machines? So basically like how many helmets can one of these machines produce per hour? What is your output? So if you spend, you know, $200,000 on the setup of the machinery, 
how long is it going to take you with that output of helmets? How long is it going to take you to recoup that cost? And then what is the life cycle of the machine? What's the maintenance process? The installation itself is interesting because you have to do a deal with a factory where they send one of their engineers to your home country or to whatever country you're going to set up the, the factory in. And then that engineer spends about two, three weeks there helping you set up everything and teaching your factory workers how to use the machine effectively. So it's, it's a very, very complicated process. One of the things I noticed about the Northern China factories, which is just in general, I think, with suppliers in general, is like the Northern China factories were a little bit dirtier, a little bit less organized, a little bit more eager. I think you have to worry a little bit more about the Chinese yes with the Northern China factories. There's a lot of stuff that we asked in terms of how we ramp up production capacity and, and the costs and the difficulties of setting up these injection molding an injection molding factory. And it was a lot of, yeah, yeah, no, no problem, no problem. No, we, we fix that later. Like, no, we can discuss the cost later. They just kind of like push you along and, and try to get you to sign a deal on the spot. It was interesting because Ningbo M had a partner factory, a mold factory. So there's one aspect, you have to buy the, the plastic injection molding machine, but you also have to make a mold for the actual helmets. So they had a partner factory that makes the molds for the helmets, which is a positive. But when we actually went to the partner factory, I mean, the factory just seemed very, very, small and lackluster and, and dirty. I remember there was like, I mean, this has nothing to do with anything, but there was just like some unkempt dogs just running around and puppies. It was a little bit of a red flag for me. We have this giant factory that's supposedly one of the you know biggest factories for these kind of products. And then we go and then their mold partner factories like this ramshack facility. So then you have to ask yourself, okay, if the machine is made by these guys, why aren't they working with a more professional partner? And is the mold that this guy makes going to be reliable? And what is the overall quality of the machines if they feel that this is their main mold partner? I think another aspect to keep in mind is like, where are you going to be selling these products in the end? I think the fact that these guys were going to be selling these products in Kenya creates a little bit of stigma, which is justified because obviously developing countries, price is a very sensitive thing when it comes to products. So I feel like sometimes when a factory knows that your product is going to be sold in Kenya or a developing country, they might show you lower quality facilities. So maybe that was a big reason why they took us to that old factory. Whereas if we had told them that they were trying to open up a factory in Europe or something like that, maybe they would have shown us a different mold partner. So some things to keep in mind with that. And, and that's okay. I mean, as long as you're comfortable with the quality of the product and things like that. Overall, with the Northern China factories, I mean, if I was giving Ningbo M a score in Hongbao's, I would say that it was 3.5 out of 5 Hongbao's. If they had a more professional mold partner, then I might have given them a higher score. The pricing was somewhat what we expected. The production capabilities and, and how long it was going to take was somewhat where we expected. The two other factories that we saw during that trip were, you know, okay, but not as impressive. Um, so Ningbo M being the, the biggest one, seemingly the one with the most experience, that was a, a big part of the reason why we ended up wanting to, to go with those guys. On top of that, we ended up visiting some factories in southern China. And right off the bat, there's a big difference. When you go to the factories in southern China, they're more accustomed to dealing with foreigners. They present themselves a little bit more professionally. So I'll give you an example. One factory that we went to, when we walked in, they already had like a walk, they had like a LED board LCD board that had like welcome Imogen and source from Source Find Asia and welcome to our dear visitors from Kenya. And just the language barrier is a little bit less. You have professional salespeople that speak English. 
they really wanted to understand the needs of, of the clients more. But of course, the costs were higher. And you, what you're paying for there is the same things that I just mentioned, which is that they have more experience, they understand the needs. Actually, a, a few of the factories had already uh, helped people open factories in Kenya. So that was a big plus. So one of the main factories that we, we went to there was Foshan L. I'm not going to say the full name, but it was the biggest factory in southern China for plastic injection molding. At least from what they told us, it was one or two of the biggest ones. And you could just tell when you walked through their their offices, it was, you know, it was super modern. It was like a, you know, sort of Silicon Valley sort of startup type of thing. And then when we walked through the factory space, it was super organized. And you can see if you just contrast the factories in, in northern China versus, you know, Foshan L, it's clean, it's organized, everything makes sense, everything is in the right place. There's a reason, there's a method to, to the madness of the production and, and how they store everything. Whereas a lot of times with the northern China factories, it just seems kind of haphazard, like nothing really makes sense as to why certain things are in certain places. So uh, Foshan Owl was definitely, in my opinion, the best factory that we went to. However, and again, I'll break this down in, in the next video, they were super expensive, like it was, almost maybe I think one and a half times the, the cost. And we're talking about stuff that costs hundreds of thousands of dollars. One of the things that we also learned in, in the process of this R&D, the production output that they wanted required them to actually buy two machines. So that went from like, I don't know what their budget was initially, it was maybe low six figures to like, oh, you might have to spend mid six figures to actually accomplish this, which is a very big, obviously a significant increase. We also visited another two factories and a helmet factory, which is a last minute addition that these guys requested. And I have, to, I have to emphasize this a lot. Like, you have to remember, this was Chinese New Year. So the idea that they showed up like two weeks before the holiday and requested that we actually source on top of the injection molding, it was, it was hard enough finding factories that were open for the plastic injection molding machines to find a factory that makes actual helmets while we were in the process of like this tour was a very huge request and it was also out of the scope of our contract so you know we were able to find at least one actually two factories that were making helmets one of them wasn't necessarily the same helmets that they wanted the other one was so they're able to study sort of the process of how you make the actual helmets and then also the plastic injection molding machines so if i'm giving Foshan l hongbao's i would say uh Five Hongbaos out of five. I think that's the first time I've given that score. I would say five Hongbaos out of five just off of the inspection alone. I can't really speak to them because we, I haven't worked with them, but just in terms of an inspection, like they checked all the boxes. The place was organized. The salesperson that we were talking to knew exactly what he was talking about. He was an expert in those type of machines. He had ex they had experience installing those machines in Kenya. They had resources to help these guys uh, because obviously these guys would be making opening their first factory. So they had all the stuff that you need and the organization of the actual warehouse and the production capacity and stuff like that was, was everything was on point. Everything made sense. Uh, the only negative was the pricing, but you get what you pay for in China. Cheap is expensive. So if you want to work with a factory that's less professional and doesn't have as much experience with dealing with your needs, then you might want to go with the Ningbo factories. But then there's always a chance that the customer service and, and things like that that you're going to need further down the line might become difficult or your machine breaks down and what are you going to do ship a giant two-ton ten-ton machine from kenya back to china it doesn't work like that so foshan l was definitely my first choice i think for the client they might have been a little bit outpriced so yeah
Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for listening to this episode of the Main Cheddar Podcast. If you want to reach out to us, that's podcast at sourcefinancial.com. If you want to check out the show notes from the episode that you just watched, that's sourcefinancial.com slash made in China. And be sure to also check out our YouTube channel, Source Financial, all one word. Cheers. So it's so ill. I don't need no skrill, only cash for gas when I borrow my folks' wheels. Whatever, our van died. Man, who I look like, that Lance guy? Hey, pushing old banana seat, looking like some eight-year-old kid on your grandma's street. You can go ahead, call me lazy. I just retired real young, y'all. Call me Jay-Z. Or maybe I just hate these crappy jobs. Call me crazy. But I refuse to work a man that's miserable. Can't do it less it's due to circumstance. And I need the cash to feed my astronomical appetite. But for the time being, y'all, I sacrifice and have a life. Mine is a couple of luxuries. Is cutting my budget schemes and getting some stuff for free. Like, why's a brother need a dentist? It's expensive. Am I